No. No, because I'm right. We gotta figure that out. I saw that question the button and it's on. It's on. Somebody said yes, somebody said no. Who do I What about now? No. You hear me now? <laughs> I don't know. I'm pushing the button. You just not coming on. There it is. I think it came on then. There you I go. I seen the red light. That tells me. <laughs> Hope it didn't mean stop. <laughs> well, it's been a while, folks. I'm telling you. This has been two years of my life that I will be glad is behind me. I don't know what's ahead, but I don't think it could get any worse. Uh, but you never know. Uh, you know, we had the COVID, and then when the COVID is coming down and it's just about over with, then I started having all kinds of health issues. And the doctors, uh, you know, years ago I went through radiation, and that was no longer working, so then they started playing with meds, and I was in a mess. I mean, a real mess. I could hardly get out of bed. My wife would have to walk me up the hall to the living room just so I could get up, and it, it was just terrible, you know, uh, but I want to say, one Sunday morning while we were watching, we've been faithful watching the service, thank God that the service have been online, thank God for that, and so we're watching online one Sunday, and pastor prayed for me specifically, he called out my name, and from that point on, things started getting better. I wish I could say, and, and I felt the touch of the Lord that day. I, and I wish I could say that I was completely healed, but I can't say that. And I'm not one of those people that I don't have to talk God in, you know, to healing me. I don't have to say I'm healed before he heals me. I can be truthful about it and say this is where I'm at. And I'm telling you, it's a lot better than it was. Now, the doctors would like to take the credit for it because they changed the meds, and maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> However God did it, if he did it. Yeah, yeah. And so now I'm on a different med, and we're going to try it for until the end because it's, it's not doing what the doctor wants it to do, and so he's probably going to change it again. It doesn't sound exciting to me. But, because when they start changing it, it's like, oh boy, here we go. But you pray that he'll find the right formula. I pray that this works. And when we're done with this, we can move forward. But we'll see. Whatever it is, we'll deal with it. And, and I was just telling Carol before the service. You know, one thing this two years has taught me, or has really made real to me, you know, the worst thing about hell is going to be that people are separated from God for all of eternity. That's the way I felt. I can't even go to church. This is crazy. And that's what really hit me. It's like, yeah, I don't feel good, but that's not the worst thing about this. The worst thing about this is I don't get to be with God's people like I'm used to. I, I told her that, you know, in the 50-odd years that my wife had been married, notice I said odd so I didn't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we have not missed church for over maybe a week at a time, maybe sometime when we were traveling or something. But man, oh man, folks, don't take it for granted. Do not take it for granted. This is an opportunity to be in God's house and be with God's people and, and hear music like Deanne singing. Praise God. Praise God for that. And you know what? I'm going to say this, and I don't know if it's really true or not, but it sure seems that way to me. The worship sounds better when you're here in person. It doesn't come out of my TV like it comes out here. The preaching sounds better when you're here. It's just better when you're live. You know, people can say, well, yeah, you can watch it on TV. Yeah, well, it's not the same. And I found myself not only watching the service from this church, but I have a nephew who is starting churches in New York City, and I would listen to him preach. And I would say, wow, and this is a young man, very young man. And I'd think, well, that's good too, but I'm still not satisfied. Then I'd listen to Donna's uncle who pastors a church in Oklahoma, and I'd say, oh, man. And then we'd listen to her home church, and then we'd listen to other... It's like, it's just not the same as coming and being with other folks and feeling the presence of God because he has told us where two or three are gathered, he's in our midst. And it's true, I'm telling you. So don't, don't take it lightly. Realize, realize the opportunity that you have. Well, that was all free. <laughs> Now we're going to get into what you paid for, I guess. <laughs> All right, the title for the sermon this morning, I don't know if he's got it up there yet or not. Yeah, he does. All right. Such as I have. That's the title. Uh, and the hashtag, we have a gift for you. All right. Now, this is my favorite passage of Scripture. It just always has been. This Scripture just always moves me. When I read this, the book of Acts is my favorite book. You go through there and it's just exciting what God was doing in the early church. I don't think he's done. I don't think the book of Acts has been finished being writing, written. I think it's, it's still going on. And we need to realize that and let that happen in our lives. Let it come to life. And I hope that as we go through this, that you can really catch the fire that was going on there in the early church and let it burn within you because, you know, it starts with one person and then it starts to go and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, all right, Acts chapter 3, verse number 1. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on them with John and Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, 
But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God. Woo! I don't know. I, that, that just does something to me. Uh, and, and, and then they knew that it was he who had been begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Lord... We're thankful that we can look into your word. And I pray, oh God, that we get the message this morning, that you build this fire in us, that we can pray for those that need to be prayed for and they'll be healed. But more than that, Lord, that we can reach out to those who don't know you and because of your spirit within us, they'll come to know you as Savior and live their life in a whole new direction that you have for them. And we'll be careful to praise you for it, for we're asking all of this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so, you know, I'm one of those people that thinks you got to really be careful that you... i got tears on my glasses here, and now I can't see. Uh... You've got to really be careful in Scripture that you don't pull it out of context, that you find out what the context is and what was going on. Uh, not only you can misinterpret it, but also you lose some of the meaning if you do that. Because I find that as I grow in the Lord, that's why when you go back and you read the same Scripture again, over and over again, it means something different every time. It's like, How is that possible? How could I read this and get something new out of it? Well, it's because we start to realize more of what happened there, how wonderful it is, how great it is what God is doing. So the first title, or the first point, and I tried to do what Pastor Phil does. I don't know if I'm good at this. (laughs) this. This whole thing of it all starting with R's. It's like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. We'll see. This may be a big mess, but we'll see how it plays out. Because he's really good at it. He's good at coming up with those words. And when I would try to get the word, I'd like, eh, okay, we'll go with that. You know? After a while, you kind of think, okay. All right, the first word is resistance. Now, if we're going to look at this in context we got to look at what was going on. This guy was sitting at the temple every day begging. So you don't think he didn't know what was going on around him? You don't think he wasn't aware? The stuff that he heard, I'm sure that he heard all kinds of things. He's seen all kinds of things. So if you'll go back two or three months and look at what was going on, it was the whole time of Jesus' trial. Here it is, Jesus is on trial. Now, you know, Satan has tried to stop 
the plan of God right from the beginning. Do you remember at the birth of Jesus what happened? He ha- he, there was a decree. We're going to kill all the babies. We're going to get rid of this guy. And that was purely from Satan. So King Herod said, well, let's kill. How cruel is that? How desperate is that? To say, we're going to kill a bunch of babies so we can get rid of the one that might be the new king. Wow. What arrogance, what pride, but what motivation. Now, you know, we've had some evil things happen around us. The shooting in Texas, and we could name other things. Evil's alive and well, folks. It's alive and well. Satan is out to do us harm. And he started out with Jesus at his birth, and he tried to do him harm. And then, you know, we we get to the place where he's in the temple at 12, and again, you know, he he tries to cause a problem there. The parents leave. They can't find him. they got to go back. They find him. I can't even imagine what my dad would do if he had to come back and pick me up after three days. <laughs> I, I just can't even imagine. So I don't know what went on between Joseph and Jesus on that one. Uh, his mother must have went to bat for him and said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, you know he's the son of God. Don't do anything crazy here. But whatever. And then, you know, we get to the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension. Now, think about this poor guy that's crippled sitting there at the gate, and he's watching all this go on. He had to see it. He had to know. He had to realize what is happening. He had to realize the hate that the Jewish religious leaders had for Jesus. They hated him. And why did they hate him? Because he was stealing their thunder. They were in charge. They were the, men, you know, they were the big man on campus, as they used to say at college. Who's the big man on campus? Well, doesn't matter. But they were. felt like, wait a minute. He's raising the dead. He's healing the blind. Whoa, whoa, people, he's got a following. People are going after him. We can't even get these crazy people to come to to the temple. And he goes out on the hillside and preaches, and they all go out there. We got to get this guy stopped. He's threatening us. He's threatening our livelihood. He's threatening our power. He's threatening who we are. Wow, does that sound familiar to you? When you look around what's happening in our country and you hear what people are doing and saying, they, they're intimidated. Let's get Jesus out of the schools. Let's get him, let's limit these churches. Let's, let's do what we need to do to stop this Jesus thing. It's just amazing to me that Satan is still trying to stop God's plan. He, he opposed Jesus. You remember at the temptation what, what he said to Jesus? Come on, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off of this temple. Come on, show me. Show me what you got. Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that. 
He said, well, turn these stones into bread. Come on, do something. And then the crowning one to me is when he says to Jesus, if you'll just bow down and worship me. You don't have to go to Calvary. You don't have to pay the price. I'll give it all to you. But you got to worship me. Whoa. He was going for blood on that one. He was like, okay, come on, Jesus. I know you don't want to do this. And, and you know, sometimes I think that we forget that Jesus was in an earthly body. That had to be very appealing to know I'm going to go through being beat and crucified and all that he went through. You don't think he wanted to miss that? I can tell you right now, somebody told me, hey, you're going to be beaten, crucified if you don't do this. Boy, it would be tempting. It would be tempting, whatever it is. So, you know, Satan's been after him. And, you know, he, he wants to stop God's plan. But over and over again, Jesus says, well, look what I've got for you. I'm not falling for this. I'm not going for it. I have something that's good. And we're going to get there. We are going to get there. My dad used to have a saying that he would say to my brothers and I, when he wanted us to do something and we were resisting, he would say, well, remember, this isn't an option. I didn't give you a choice. You are going to school. I remember my younger brother decided when he was 16, I'm going to school. I'm not going to school anymore. And, you can't, and I heard him say it to my dad. And you can't make me. And my dad said, oh, wait a minute. I can't make you, but I can make you wish you had. <laughs> so Jesus is saying, hey, hey, look what I've got. I don't have to prove anything to you. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I am who I say I am. And that's all there is to that. You just need to accept it. Satan could not stop God's plan then. Now, the man sitting there at the temple, you don't think he heard some of the stuff that was going on? I believe that he did. I believe that he heard it. And can I, you know, I, I just can't even imagine sitting there every day and hearing all this and seeing all of this. You know, sometimes I, I hate to turn on the news because what you hear and see is like, oh, man. So I just, let's just turn this off. Let's just stick our head in the sand and pretend it doesn't, isn't happening. But you can't do that, of course. Eventually, you have to hear it. So, Jesus died, rose again, ascended to heaven. But before he went back to heaven, he said something to his disciples. He said, you need to go receive something. About 50 days after he left, the day of Pentecost, which next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, he told them, listen, you need to, you need to go receive the Holy Spirit. 
Now the disciples were in hiding. <laughs> they were afraid. Wouldn't you be afraid after Jesus went through what he did? It's like, oh boy, we're next. We're next on the list. So they were in hiding. So Jesus appears to them. They're in a room, the door's locked, and all of a sudden Jesus is in their midst. And they tell Thomas about this, and Thomas says, I don't believe you. You guys are hallucinating. You guys are on crack or whatever. <laughs> whatever the drug of the day was. You've been drinking. You've been smoking something. Whatever it is, I'm not believing it until I see it with my own eyes, until I can touch his hands and see his side. And Jesus came to them again. Read that passage of scripture. And Jesus said, Thomas, come in. what I've got. Look what I've got. This is me. I did rise from the dead. I'm not in that tomb anymore. So you can take part that I am alive. Now I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to stay in that upper room until you're endued with power from a high. So that's what they did. They went to Jerusalem. They, I don't know what the room was like. I, I imagine in my mind this big room like this and there's 120 of them packed in there. They're waiting to hear from God. And all of a sudden they do hear from God. All of a sudden there's a rushing mighty wind. And then there's tongues of fire seated on each one of the people in the room. And then they all begin to speak in tongues. Praise God for that. Now, you know, the only one of those signs that we see on in Scripture is the speaking in tongues. That's why I believe, and that's why the Assemblies of God teach, that the evidence, the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues because of that. But you know what? I remember as a young man going to college, I was... I was thinking, man, if I can just get all these people to speak in tongues when I preach, and it'll be wonderful. And one of the professors said, you know, the greatest thing about being with, filled with the Spirit is not speaking in tongues. That's great. That's wonderful. That'll happen. But that's not what's great. What's great is... The love for Jesus is stronger than it's ever been before and it makes you a witness. Because you have experienced this, you will become a witness. Because you have a fire burning inside of you that causes you to reach out to those that are lost and you try to help them come to know Jesus. You show them the love of God. That's the deeper thing. Now, you know, after this happens, then Peter, he, oh, Peter, he, he knows how to get in the middle of things. He's not afraid to. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad, but he's not afraid to. So he gets up and he preaches. 
And he preaches with such anointing. Do you remember what happened? Somebody whispered it, I think. 3,000 people got saved. Now, that's a revival, folks. If I would ever preach and 3,000 people would get saved, I'd say, God, get me out here now because I'm not going to get any better than this. That's, <laughs> that, that's, that's not going to happen. So it says, over 3,000 were saved. Man, oh man. So we see the results of what happened on the day of Pentecost was now we have 3,000 people saved. Think about that now. And these people are fired up because they've seen the fire in the disciples. And I'm thinking that the religious leaders and the Romans are thinking, oh, no. Because they had to hear about this. Here we go again. We thought we had got rid of this problem. We thought we had killed Jesus off, and that was over and done with. And now we have his disciples that are up preaching, and they have 3,000 followers now. Where is this going to go to? He preaches one sermon, and he has 3,000. So I'm sure they're saying, oh, no. No, 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 no. We've got to put a lid on this. We've got to stop this. But God wants to say, such as I have... And that's where we get back to this 40-year-old sitting at the gate beautiful. Imagine all of your life, people have to carry you and seat you there so you can make a living. He couldn't make a living for himself any other way. So they had to seat him there and let him beg. That was, that was uh, the way of the society then. If you couldn't go to work, then okay, you can beg. Now, okay, so he's, he, they bring him there, they seat him there. He's begging for his living. How horrible is that? I hate to ask people for an offering sometime when it's pastoring. I hate to, you know, you just money is just a real touchy thing. But here he has to sit there every day and say, hey, what about some help here, dude? Come on, help me out. Come on. And I know, you know, you drive down the street and you come to the traffic light and here's the guy at the door of your car begging for money and then you go around the corner and you see him getting his Bentley and drive off and it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And then you hear him on, on uh, social media bragging about I can make more money out there begging on the streets than I can working at a job. And you say, well, man, oh man, I'm not giving to those people anymore. But you know what? My thoughts have changed about that. My thoughts go to, okay, if God tells me to give to this person, I'm going to give to them. If they misuse it, guess what? Guess who they're going to have to answer to? And I hope, and I'd like to tell some of them, listen, listen, if you're trying to pull a scam here, you just tried to scam God. So do what you got to do. Do you want my money or not? It would be interesting to hear what they would have to say. Some of them would take it anyway. They're so arrogant they couldn't care less. But I'm telling you, I would not want to be in that position. 
My heart goes out to people. You know, I just watched the thing last night. We lived in Phoenix, or outside of Phoenix on an Indian reservation for a few years, many years ago. And they were saying that in Phoenix, there's three, I think it's 3,000 homeless people living on the street in downtown Phoenix. And they're going through there talking to them. And it's, it's sad. It's sad. These people have no job. They have no hope. They have no home. Some of them lost their home. They've lost everything they've got. They try to get help. And they're camped outside the homeless center that's full to the brim. Can't take any more people in because the regulations say, no, you can only have so many in here. And so here they are sleeping on the street. So my heart goes out to those people. It really does. But we see this is where this guy's at. He's begging for a living. Now, you know, I have a question. Because people say, well, you know, anytime you're sick, you should pray and you should be healed. If you're not healed, there's something wrong with you. You know, there's sin in your life, yada, 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 yada. It's like, get off me, you know. Leave me alone. I prayed and I have faith that God can heal me out of the stuff I'm going through. I pray every day that God will heal me. So far, the best he's done is send doctors that have worked on it and helped me with it. And I praise God for that. So, but the question is, how many times did Jesus walk past this man? Think about that. And this man may have said, oh, whoa, 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 there's Jesus. I know he heals other people. Hey, dude, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. And I don't know what Jesus said to him or didn't say to him. But I can imagine in Jesus' mind him saying, I got a plan for you. We got a plan for you. Me and my father have got a plan for you. We're doing something. Just hang in there. Hang in there. It's going to get better. I've got a plan. I'm going to work in your life. But that would be hard. I get frustrated if I got a cold and I pray and God doesn't take care of it. This morning my sinuses are running. I'm thinking, God, why don't you take care of this? I could preach a lot better if I didn't have to fight with the crazy sinuses. But it doesn't happen for some reason. And it reminds me of then the beggar sitting there. And uh, so then there's those that, you know, they resist what Christ does. But Peter and John, they pray for this guy. And they reach down and grab him by the hand and say, get up. Now, if I'm him, I'm thinking, who's this lunatic? <laughs> who's this crazy guy? Can't you see I can't get up? I want, you think I'm sitting here because I want to get set here? You think that's what I want? Peter says, come on, get up. Now, he was led of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. He'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit to pray with this man and lift him up to his feet. We need to be led by the Spirit. And sometimes the Spirit of God leads us to do things like that 
that would be out of the ordinary. But make sure, make sure you're being led of the Spirit. Because it can get real wonky if you're not. If you're trying to act like you're spiritual, and you're saying you're healed in the name of Jesus, and they're not, now you just put a point against them ever coming to the Lord. You know, over my life, I've had the privilege of being involved in a lot of different things. When I was a kid, my parents became believers, and they were so excited about being believers. They were looking for places to go to church. I was like, whoa, what happened to my life? We used to go on Easter because we went to my grandparents' house, and they were going to church. And now we go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If there's a revival, we go every night to the revival. If there's not a revival, they're looking for a revival. They go down to the tent meetings. They go to, I'm, I'm like, what is happening? And because of that, I can remember being in tent meetings with Oral Roberts and uh, later on with Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman, I don't know if you know Catherine Kuhlman is. Boy, she's, whew. When you first see her, you think, oh my, what is this? Because she would come out on stage and she always wore these big flowing robes. And she would say, good evening. <laughs> In this real weird voice. I'm glad that you're here. And I'm thinking as a kid, what? What is this? But you know, the power of God rests on that woman. She would, she would call people out of the audience. She would point to them and say, you, God is healing you right now. Receive it. And they would start to praise God and you'd find out that they had been healed of something that the doctors had given up on. The doctors had said, there's no hope. You just need to get comfortable and die. And now they're healed. And, and you know, some funny things would happen with her because the anointing of God would rest on her so strong that she came out in, in the one service. A friend of mine was at that service and they had a choir that was up on stage. And she came by as she was coming in and she just touched the end choir member. And that choir member fell out under the power of God and fell on the next choir member who fell on the next choir member. You ever see dominoes falling? That's what it was like. And I remember the pastor, Pastor Wanamaker. He told the story because it was his church that it happened in. And he said, I thought, now that's a bunch of baloney. I don't think that's true at all. God, you're going to have to show me different. So the next night, when he introduced her, he made the mistake of touching her shoulder. <laughs> so there he lay on the floor under the power of God, folks. 
Now, now, you know, there's some phonies out there, and they ruin it. They, you know, they try to be spiritual, or maybe they were spiritual, and now they're not. And so they try to fake things, or they bring people in wheelchairs, and they act like they're healed, and, you know, so people find out about that. And they have people planted out in the crowd to ask people about things, who to call out, and what to call out. And it's like the phoniness gets exposed sooner or later. But these folks, or Roberts, would pray for people. They'd be lined up all the way around the tent, and he'd pray for them, and they'd get up out of their wheelchair and walk out of there. And then it would be on the news. Because the news was like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, this guy was crippled, and now he's not. So the power of God was on these people. They weren't playing games. They weren't trying to prove that they were something they're not. So I, I, I say to you, don't try to play games. Don't try to, when I said earlier, I don't want to talk God into be, me being healed. I'm either healed or I'm not. And if I'm healed, you're going to know it and I'm going to know it. And we're all going to know it and we're all going to praise God together. So don't, don't, you know, don't try to uh, outguess what God's doing. Now, uh, now, let's look at the reaction to all this. First of all, you got the man. He's walking and jumping and praising God, and he, he's just excited about a new life. Can you imagine what his life was now like at 40 years old? He's never been able to hold down a job. He's never been able to go anywhere or do anything. He just sat at home and waited to be carried down to the temple so he could listen to what's going on there. And now God has healed him so he can carry on with life. A whole new life. Think about that. And then the rest of the crowd that were around, they recognized, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's the beggar guy. That's the guy that for the last 40 years has sat out in front of the temple and begged for his life, begged for his living. Whoa, what's going on here? What, what is happening? And guess what? Brother Peter said, all right, I got to explain this to you people. I didn't do it. Jesus did it. And do you remember what happened then? 5,000 people became believers. Wow, God's doing something bigger. It's great that this guy got healed, but God had a much bigger plan. Sometimes we get so focused on this little thing that we want or we need or we think would be marvelous if God would do it. And God's saying, not now, wait. I'm, it's not time for it. I'll get to that when it's time. But it's not time, wait, because I have a bigger plan in mind. I've got something I'm trying to accomplish. And we need to be able to sit back and say, okay, 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 God. I don't understand this. I don't understand my health. I don't, I don't get it. It just seems like it's crazy to me. 
But then I have to say, okay, God, I'm yours, and you do what you're going to do, and I don't know how you're going to use this. You know, my doctors, all three of them are believers, and I sit and talk with them about things, and, we, you know, they've said, well, we, you know, by coming back to church, I had to talk them into it. <laughs> Because they're so afraid that I'm going to get something. Not COVID. Thank God I haven't had COVID. And I didn't get it because I stayed away. But I, or I think that's why. But they said, okay. The first one said, okay. You can go to church if you wear a mask. And you don't do a lot of handshaking or any handshaking. If you wash your hands, if you're real careful, you can go to church. And I thought, that's a bunch of baloney. So I asked the second one when I seen them. I said, what about going to church? Uh, well, I don't recommend it because there's too many people around. But if you wear a mask and not shake hands and be careful, then I guess okay. So I thought, ah, come on, you guys. You guys must have conspired to put that plan together. So then I went to the third one. Guess what? Wear a mask, don't shake hands, be really careful, because the medication you're on compromises your system, and because it compromises your system, you're vulnerable to all kinds of things. So I said, you know what? If I have to wear a mask to go to church, then I'm coming to church. And I'm sure that all, some of you, maybe all of you thought, oh, he's afraid of COVID. Oh, no, 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 it's not COVID. It's anything. <laughs> That's the crazy thing about this. The flu, anything. He says, I don't want you having anything that will run your system down farther. I want you to be healed. So, so we see that, you know, the 5,000, I got off on the sidetrack there, sorry. We see that 5,000 people were saved. Now the religious leaders, if you read on in the book of Acts, they're furious. They're furious. Because here we go again, this Jesus stuff is starting all over again. We need to stop this. Get Peter and John in here and let's, let's talk to them. Who, why did you heal, how did you heal this man? Well, we did it in the name of Jesus. I don't want you preaching this Jesus anymore. I want you to stop this right now. I want you to cut it out. If you don't cut it out, and they were afraid to do anything else, because there are 5,000 people that are now believers that were not believers, plus the 3,000 before, so you've got eight, ten thousand 10,000 people that are saying, oh no, you better not touch him or we'll come after you. They'd get a riot on their hands. So they decided, well, we're just going to warn them and we're going to let them go. And we're going to tell them, don't be preaching this Jesus stuff. Stop it. And they went out, and Peter said to them, well, leave it to Peter. Well, whether it's right or not, you got to decide what's right for you. But for us, we're going to do what the Lord has told us to do. Because we have something that the people need. And we're going to continue giving them what they need. Such as I have, I give unto you. Now, 
I'm going to close. I, I know I went on and on. Probably a lot longer than I should. I told somebody earlier, you're in for it. I haven't preached in a couple years. so <laughs> You're going to get the full load. I'm going to do it while I can. Uh, but the question is, what do you need from Jesus? You know, he's still working in lives today. And if there's any need that you have, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, financial, whatever it is, he wants to meet you. He wants to touch your life. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I know this is a little different than pastor does it, but he took the chance of letting me preach, so (laughs) I'll take the consequences. If you have a need in your life, whatever it is, I want you to just stand up right now. Just stand up right where you're at. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Stand up. Come on. There's some standing already. Come on. All right. There's some more. I'm not going to drag this out. I'm not one of those that thinks, well, if I just drag it out, they'll get up. Now, folks, look around. Look around at the people that you see. I'm not trying to hide this from me. I'm not trying to make them shame them or anything like that. But you know that these people need you to pray for them. And I would ask you to go and pray for them, but I don't know. Sometimes people are embarrassed by that. So I'm just going to, I'm going to pray. And I pray that God will touch you wherever you're at in this service. Just receive it from the Lord right now. I feel like the Holy Spirit is ministering. Don't miss it. Don't miss an opportunity to receive from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful. We are thankful that we can come to you in prayer. We're thankful that this is something that's very meaningful. This is something that brings victory in our life. And you see the needs that are represented by these people that are standing I don't know what those are, but I know you know all about it, Lord. It hasn't shocked you. It hasn't confused you. It doesn't dismay you. You want to move in like a flood and meet their need. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do that right now. Meet the need that they have in their life. And we will be careful to praise you and thank you. For we're asking it in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay, if, you, if you'll sit back down for a minute, I've asked Keith, because it's Memorial Day, I want to close the service.